Hoodwinked! Remember the name! Tony finishes off in style. What a start from England, what a start from Wokes. Edge done gone. Hi guys, welcome back to episode 3 of Edge and Gone, the show where we talk all things cricket for an hour. I'm here with my good friend and amazing co-host Emily Marshall once again. Hello again, Em, how are you? It's nice. Hello, it's nice to be back. Yes. Um, yeah, I'm fine. Um, how are you? I'm I'm excellent. I'm back home, back in Devon, back in God's country. Uh, I've had a haircut, got to see my puppy, so I'm a, I'm a happy person at the moment, I can't lie. We've got lots of cricket to talk about, which is which is always good. And it's actually international cricket. It's not about England this week that much. So it's exciting, you know, mix it up a bit. Episode three, you know, we're, we're getting a bit adventurous. Yeah, we are um, pushing our boundaries away from England, even though there is some England to talk about, some big England news, but not, not necessarily England cricket to talk about. So talk about um, Australia, India, T20 series, how that's shaping up, um, West Indies over in New Zealand as well. Lovely bit of test cricket, you know, traditional, my favourite yeah. format. So I'm excited to talk about that. Some wonderful, some wonderful leaves by the New Zealand players that um, I tagged Emily on, on Twitter, just commented good leave and it was about an inch off, off the off stump, was, which is excellent. Yeah. It's, it's what you want, Great it's proper leave. test cricket. That's ex- literally. He, he judged the line judgment. excellently. Perfect. <laughs> yes. So this Someone is, would I, say a bit too close. Just love test cricket. It's just so... So brilliant. Like everyone sort of says, how can you watch cricket for five days? And I absolutely love it. You know, I'm there at the sofa uh, at 11 and then I'm there all day for five days and it's just brilliant to watch. It's just such a great spectacle. I absolutely love it. Like, don't get me wrong. There's some days that are long and I'm like, oh my God, like, can something please just happen? But then like a day will come along and you're like, this is why I love test cricket. You take, you take the good with the bad. Like there's some days which probably even like could send us to sleep. I'm not going to lie. Like days in the dirt in India where you're just watching India bat, like they're 300 for one. And I'm like, nah, we out. But then there'll be like Ashes day five where the Ashes are on the line and Jimmy Anderson needs to take two wickets for England to reclaim the Ashes. And that's the sort of days when you're like, yep, this is for me. Yeah, the the first thing that sprung to my mind when you were talking about uh, those days where you could fall asleep was... I was getting a ferry back for France and it was during the first test of the 2019 Ashes and um, Anderson was out injured so we were having to use Denley as like our fourth bowler and he was just coming in and he was bowling all day and honestly it was ridiculous and that's when Smith got his absolutely insane his same comeback 100 and he was just picking off Denley and you know it was probably the longest ferry ride of my life because you know like I said Smith was just yeah. batting at one end Denley coming in with his with his spin at the other and it just just dragged so long yeah that's they're exactly the type of days sometimes you just question why yes. and then some days you're just like this is why so yeah brilliant to see test cricket back as well love test yeah cricket. and we'll go into a bit more, more depth. yeah I can't wait and I think England are going to be touring the subcontinent uh pending COVID pending uh, yeah, it is a bit, you know, especially with what's happened today, especially that we'll get into. But yeah, so tour of Sri Lanka and India, I believe, which will be yeah. great if it happens. Just a few issues uh, with the team that I'd like to bring up. So obviously, Bairstow's in line for a recall, which, uh, you know, was inevitable. Um, I don't know your yeah. thoughts on that, but my initial thoughts, you know, he can play spin well, but, you know, I think we need to move on. He's, he's had his chances. He's he's one of the best white ball players in the world, but we need to give 
the younger players as much of a chance in the subcontinent as possible because if they can do it in the subcontinent, they can do it anywhere, in my opinion. No, yeah. Um, he is a brilliant player as Finland that like obviously would have come as a factor as to why they would have selected him to go. But the other thing is, um, I actually don't think his chance has gone. I think he was given a chance, he necessarily didn't do very well, but I don't think that's the end of his test career. He's a brilliant player, he has a great temperament. Um, he has proven to play in India before. Um, the other thing is, I would take Pope, but obviously Pope is injured, so he's not going. There was questions of folks. Um, I'm on the border with the folks argument. See, like he's a brilliant player, um, but I, I would put my faith in Johnny. Like you said, he's a brilliant player of spin, but folks is also a good player of spin. So I don't doubt that it was a hard decision for the selectors to make at all. But yeah, I'm I'm happy for Besto to get another chance. And I really hope that he can take it because I think he deserves another chance. Um, he's had a really long history, actually. Um, I read a really good article um, by Vish from The Independent the other day who spoke about just his like rise to from being like England's prime test match cricketer in like 2016, scoring all the runs for England, like England's top test match scorer. And then now literally can't get a look at the test match and is like one of England's white, best white wall players. Like four years ago, you would... He'd have probably said he could have done that, but I don't think people are, like people looking in would have wouldn't have probably guessed that, that this is where he'd be right now. Um, so yeah, he's had a he's had a long four years in Test cricket, ever since basically ever since that innings with Stokesy in Newlands. Then after that, it's sort of like, like been in and out. Um, he, there's a bit of mismanagement going on. Um, I think a little bit towards him. He. Um, He's not in the core group of players. And I don't mean like he's not in the group as in players. He's not like in the group as in like their friendship group that they have sort of thing. Um, he's a really good like team player and he's in the environment really well. But the thing that he's, he's like a very introverted person as in the fact that he likes to spend time with himself. Like he doesn't mind being on his own. He likes to do things on his own. He likes to take a break from like other people. And that's sort of like, maybe not stood him in best stead, which is like totally wrong. Like that's like ECB does have a little bit of a problem with mismanaging certain like personalities. They like to think that one size fits all of how they should manage their players. And we've seen that with like Moe and Ali, Adil, like that's just not, that's just not the case. Like you need a tailored approach. So like sometimes it makes it look like Johnny is like rude and aggressive. So a big thing that happened was he had the gloves taken off him in a test match about a year ago now, 18 months ago. Um, and he came out to the media and said that I don't believe I should have had them taken off me. Um, I want to be in the team, but I want to be in the team and I want to be keeping, which I had no issue with, but everyone else turned it into like an absolute storm that he'd said something absolutely outrageous. But it's okay for Stuart Broad to come on Sky Sports and say that I'm absolutely furious I'm not in that team, which I also have no problem with. I have no problem with either of them doing it. My problem is, is why was the Broadie one absolutely amazing? This guy standing up for himself, it shows what an amazing player is. But when Johnny Bairstow says, I want to be in that team and I want to be keeping, it's like, whoa, you maybe need to calm your personality down. Like, what? why is that? Sorry, I realise I've gone on a massive tangent here, but like, this is something that I'm like, no, this needs to be spoken about. So like, why is it okay for Bairstow to be like reprimanded for being like, I in that team and I want to be keeping like he's a he's a great keeper like he's like his hands are brilliant why can't he say that but why can Brody say what he said and it'd be like two different things so like 
and then people obviously got like a bit of a wrong idea about him and his personality from that. Um, but yeah, like I've met him and I had like absolutely no issues with him. Like he was really lovely to me. So like I have like nothing I can comment on about him being a bit like rude or anything that some people have said. He's a bit of an outsider in the group, but like that's okay. Like that's not a bad thing. Like there's people who are different personalities to you, to you and like JB just is one of those. Um, and that like, seems to sort of like been a bit like counterproductive to him like he's sort of been cast aside because of who he is sort of thing like it's it's like a weird complex like there's a lot of different things that like, I can't think of at the moment there's a lot of different things like go into it and it's just weird just really weird but yeah I'm I'm all happy for JB to be back in the test team sense <laughs> yeah, I can tell I can tell even at the end of the day your social status should not influence whether you're picked for the national no. cricket team uh, at the end Take of the day um I don't know whether the selectors see it like that, but that's just our opinion. Um, England have had a bit of a wicket keeper dilemma over the last few years. Obviously, they gave it to Johnny and then they gave it to, to folks in Sri Lanka and then he sort of didn't perform well, so then they gave it to Johnny and then they gave it to Butler. And it's like, I think they've sort of set on Joss now, which is which is good. I feel like he proved in that Pakistan series what he can do, even if he does have a few mistakes in him. That's going to happen, you know. He is a... He's he's still learning the test game. He's he's used to white ball keeping, which I can imagine is is very different to red ball keeping. You know, for white mm, ball, it's, yeah, you're it's out there for what twenty overs, fifty overs. Whereas for test, you could be out there all day in the in the Indian sun, in the you know in the Australian heat. It's going to be difficult. Yeah. Um, but yeah, with with Johnny Bairstow, I think he 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 does have a place in for me as well because. When I first got into cricket, um, like last last summer, the first cricket related book I read was his his autobiography, um, which is really or, good by the way. And it was if incredible. I yeah. definitely recommend it because I had no idea the the trauma that he's been through. Mm. You know, the fact that he can yeah, still like so sad. he can come out and still play cricket for England after what he experienced, what he saw when he was a child. Um, for those who don't know, basically his dad was a was a wicket keeper as well, played for Yorkshire, played for England. Uh, a very good player from what I can from what I can hear and um, yeah, really he, he really struggled mentally and then he ended up hanging himself off the stairs um, and then yeah Johnny and his sister and his mum came home to see it so the amount of trauma that you know that he would see from a young age the fact he's been able to pick himself up mm. brush himself off you know you say he's a bit introverted, but like, you know, understandably from what you've seen. Um, oh, no, like, and I also don't think that's a bad thing. Like, no, of course not. Cricket has enough of the people with egos, like, we don't need any more of them. Like, so, like, I'm happy for someone to not be like that. Like, and like, naturally, like you say, like, if you're going to see that, then like, that's going to take time to heal. And like, he openly admits that, like, he still heals from it now. Like, he's so not over it, which I don't think he, like, he says he probably never will be, like, and which is, totally understandable um i don't think that england like disregard him because of who he is i feel that more like he's looked upon a bit differently because of the way he is around the team i think i think sometimes he's regarded as not a team player just because he's not always with the team which is not like that's not correlation no no they should it shouldn't matter how much, you know, he goes and plays golf with the other players, you know, as opposed to yeah, his, exactly, yeah. the runs he scores, the catches he takes, the stubbings he makes. And I think he's up there with the top wicket dismissals per per innings, uh, like wicket keeper dismissals per innings for England, you know, of all time. Yeah, and that 
and he had that record year in 2016 when he was the top run scorer for a wicketkeeper batsman in the history of Test cricket, which is absolutely mental considering how long Test cricket has been going on for. Um, and I think with him, if you need, if you're going to have him in the team, you need to have him in the team for a prolonged, prolonged amount of time. He needs to almost feel comfortable in the environment. He doesn't need to be in like he is now and then out when we play at home in the summer. He needs to. He needs that position cemented. Yeah. But he's been around for a long time. He made his test debut in what 2012. So he's been around, been around the setup for, for eight years, coming up to eight years. So he's an experienced player, and I think what England are trying to do at the moment is blood the youth. And I feel like he's a great player to have around, especially players yeah, like Pope and Crawley, because he's mm. done it. Like you said, he put a, that incredible stand in Newlands um, with Stokesy in 2016. You know, he's he's scored hundreds in India. He, you know, he's he's a great player of spin and. He definitely, if there's a place for him in the team, that it deserves to be. He needs. He definitely deserves to prove himself. He d- he doesn't need to. Well, he's already almost already proved himself. He just needs the chance to sort of cement that place coming up because he's played very well in Australia as well, and that's what a yeah. lot of people have been saying. Even David Milan, who we will get onto about his T Twenty, he sort of said, "Well, in this England team, you know, there's a, a Ashes in Australia coming up, and I've scored a Test hundred in in Australia, so there's always a chance for me to come into yeah. the team." Um, and that's so with Bairstow, he does deserve that chance to prove himself. Although England needs to settle on a on a way which they're going to form their team, whether that's going to be giving the youth a chance or whether it's going to be picking yeah. the team based on other conditions. Because you know, there's talk of Keaton Jennings coming back for the Sri Lanka tour. You know, like you spoke Ben, you spoke about Ben Folks. You know, these players both have a hundreds in the subcontinent. Yeah. But it's just there's obviously a reason they're no longer in the team, but England need to make their mind up. So although we said we weren't going to talk about England that much, we just spent the last 15 minutes talking about England. Oops. And England have just won a clean sweep in the South African T20 series, which was an excellent watch. The last game was, in my opinion, the the, guest, the best game of the series. Um, I, I watched a sat for three and a bit hours, absolutely engrossed from the first ball to the last delivery um, so obviously England came out victors. They chased down that 191, which was as it, when the target was set by South Africa. I thought that it would be close, but I backed I backed South Africa actually. Um, I thought that the pitch was sort of getting older. They've got two spinners in their team, um, and they would sort of have the chance. You know, Rash bowled really well, but apart from that, our our bowlers got absolutely pumped. But um, <laughs> I thought that South Africa would be a bit more disciplined. You know, they know the conditions better and they'd be able to see at home. But um, that was not the case, luckily. And it was a it was a record victory for England. Um, obviously, Milan, where do we start? You know, we just mentioned him in the test format, but in the T20 format, he is definitely in the side now. He's definitely cemented his place. He's Your prediction that he was going to be player of the series was correct. And, you know, he almost got his second 100, Yay! despite some bad maths. Um, <laughs> but... Just quickly about, you know, before we get into the game, um, obviously that does show the intent of the England team. Um, obviously Morgan did have a bit of a go at him um, after he did get that T2000 because he didn't run he didn't run a leg by um, on the last ball of the game. Um, and Morgan sort of came out, Owen Morgan, the captain, has sort of said, he's just trying to protect his average. You know, in this team, we need to go for every run. So although he got 99 not out, the, the listeners might be thinking, why didn't he just go for that six? Why didn't he go for that four? It's because I think this England team, it's just a show of intent that they're, they're after every run possible. Um, yeah, I know. And, like, he'll have been thinking, like, um, like it's obviously a shame he didn't get his 100 and, like, probably just need to brush up on his math skills. Not going to lie, there's a few instances where 
counting has not been a strong point. But he obviously looked like when he realised he like threw his head back and he did look gutted. But like, I totally think now he'll have like totally brushed that aside and just been like, I did that. For, like, I won that game for my team and like that to him will be just exactly what he needs. Like, obviously it's nice to get a century and it's nice to get the records and all the accolades that come along with it. But player of the series and he won that. He literally was a standout player the whole time. And yeah, like got his team over the line. Like 99 out is still incredible and people will still be talking about it. Like... It's not it's not a hundred no, but he he got his side a victory, a three nil win. So like sometimes you don't need the centuries and like he's he's a big team player, so he won't be thinking he might be a little bit upset, but he won't be like thinking of personal records or anything like that. Which is exactly what you want from a an England side yeah. uh, coming up to a World Cup as well. Coming World Cup obviously October and November next year in, in India. Um so yeah, it was a great, great series, and that game, like I said, was was great. It was very high scoring. Um, mm. So who was your, obviously apart from Milan? Um, who was your stand up performer in that game? I won Milan, but um, <laughs> Rash bowled brilliantly. Like he was the only bowler apart from Stokes to not have his economy in double figures. So everyone else's was ten, eleven, twelve. Rash's was four point seven five and Stokesy's was in the eights. So like Stokesy's wasn't bad, it wasn't great, but it was fine. But the others got, England just didn't bowl very well, like at all. Um, like I was backing South Africa at the um, innings break because I was like, God, they've just seen how England are gonna bowl and they're just gonna do the complete opposite. And we're not gonna be able to get the ball away. The pitch was slowing down. They had two spinners and obviously Rash bowled brilliantly. Um, but yeah, but then obviously England came out. Butler was amazing as well in the partnership with Milan, controlled the game really well. Um, they knew exactly what they were doing, like had the chase down to a T, like timed it perfectly, no issues there. Um, but South Africa also didn't bowl very well. They didn't use their, con their own conditions their own, to their advantage. They looked a bit meh in the field. They didn't field great. They didn't really have the intent that they had for the first two games. Um, and yeah, they just didn't play their best cricket. And England brought, brought it. Um, Milan and Butler performed brilliantly. So yeah, of the Milan, Rash and Butler were outstanding and won that game for England single-handedly. I'd have to agree with that. But yeah, you do mention South Africa and it was a shame almost because like you said, it's been so competitive the first two games of the series and obviously we sort of said, we came onto the podcast um, last week and sort of said, well, they've got nothing to play for. You know, obviously this is a chance for them to play for a few of the younger players and sort of show show us what they got and, and come away with a, with a respectful 2-1 defeat against, you know, the now number one ranked T20 team in the side. That would have been a good result for the South Africans, but they just, like I say, didn't bring it, apart from Faf and Rassi van der Dussen, um, who yeah. had that explosive final five overs. Apart from that, no one stood out for South Africa. You know, they only got managed to get one wicket for England. Um, obviously, Nokia bowled uh, LBW to, to Roy to worsen his problems, but... They're, we don't they, talk about that. No. He, there were points in the game where his younger bowlers weren't bowling very well and he needed to go up to them and sort of just reassure them, just tell them to keep doing what they're doing and the rewards will come. But there was none of that from him. Um, he looked he looked very no. distressed. He he looked, he didn't look himself in the game. Um, you know, obviously he fumbled that run-out chance with uh, Milan as well. Um, so, yeah, wh where do you think South Africa and Dukok can go from here? Uh, well, obviously Faf was captain and now isn't, so I don't think... 
unless he really wants it back, I don't think it will go back to him. Um, I don't think necessarily Dukok is like a bad captain. Like he set great fields and um, he like knows his team very well. Um, but yeah, he just like behind the stumps, he just didn't really seem engaged when his bowlers were bowling and that they were clearly getting pumped around the park. Um, so yeah, it's 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 difficult because wicket keepers as captains has always been a bit of a mess because they've got to run all the way down the pitch and all the way back up just to talk to their young bowlers. But then that's that's the that's if you're captain, then that's what you have to do. And like he just didn't do it. Um, Butler's done it when he's been captain when Morgan wasn't playing. So like it is possible. Um, it is it is a little bit difficult, but it is like it's not impossible. So yeah, he just. Seemed very deflated behind the stumps, and like obviously he missed that runner, and that would have messed with him a little bit. But like when you're captain, you need to forget about that straight away. Like we've seen Morgan go through like a bad patch of runs, but still be a brilliant captain, and that's what you need to be. Um, and he's scoring runs as well. He just literally missed like one run out chance. So yeah, I just think he needs to be a bit more, a bit more vocal. Um, I didn't really like. I know we can't hear because we're not there, unfortunately. But like, um, you can you can always see that Morgan is like hyper on the field like he's always doing something he's always talking he's always active and I think Decock probably just needs a little bit more of that um, and yeah to literally just go and put an arm around his younger bowlers even not his younger bowlers just any bowler that's literally getting you can see that Milan and Butler are tearing apart just needs to go and just be like okay like you're doing this which is brilliant but like you said like maybe try this or try this and that's where Morgan and many captains around the world are brilliant they know how to man manage younger players so like, Joe Root and Jimmy Anderson. Clearly, Jimmy has got a lot more experience of seam bowling than Joe Root. But Joe Root's not afraid to go and tell Jimmy that he's doing something wrong and that he needs to do something else. And that's what you need. You need someone who's not afraid to go and tell someone who's a lot more experienced at you that you need. they need to try something else. But you also need to have a nurture inside of you that's going to coach young bowlers and show them that you've got, like, you've got faith in them. Like, um, I know it's not the same, but, like, when I play, like, netball and my coach is sat on the sideline and I can see her roll my eyes at me, like... How do you think that makes someone feel? And that's that was almost sort of what it, like it was. It was sort of like you could see that he was just like disheartened, like with the way they were bowling. But like that's not what you want to see. Yeah, he just looked like so disheartened. And like as a young bowler, you'd look up and that's what you see off your captain. And like that's 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 not needed. But like he li like he'll learn from this. He'll learn from this series. Every game you're a captain, you learn something different. So yeah, I think he will stay captain because I don't really see anybody else as a shoo-in at the moment. Um, but yeah, like I don't, I think he will learn from this and I hope he does because I think he has the making to be a great captain. He's a great player for South Africa as well. And he's been a really experienced player as well. So yeah, fingers crossed he learns. Um, yeah, he didn't do, it wasn't like a bad captain in terms of like um, tactics or anything like that. It's just sort of more the like being the captain was more the thing that I had a problem with. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, it's very easy for us to sit here and say, oh, he needed to be, you know, going yeah. right. And obviously, he's also the wicketkeeper. And like you said, there are wicketkeeper captains, but it is very difficult. And he's got a lot going through his mind doing that as well. He has to be so concentrated on that that it's almost really difficult for him to then think about, oh, well, field placings and, you know, where the bowler needs to bowl and, and, dif and different things like that. But I think South Africa definitely should stick with him. And I think they will. They're, they're, like you said, there's no one else yeah. that is, is there. And obviously, it's been a hard series for the South Africans in many regards um, and obviously they didn't have their best bowler and one of the best T20 bowlers in the world they didn't have Rabada for that game and that, no. that and if Rabada had bowled his, his four overs then it could have been a different story um, I think there just needs to be a few games where De Kock uh, lets someone else keep and just focuses on his captain sort of 
bring that bring that sort of captain's uh, authority back into the side almost, um, where he can run up to the bowlers and sort of say, yeah, try this, or you're doing yeah. a great job, mate. Um, and then see how that goes. And if it doesn't work like that, then he might not be cut out to be captain, but they need to for, sort of have a few games where he is solely just the captain. He didn't have a bad series with the bat either. He didn't really set the world alight like he can. Um, obviously, Faf and Rassi did a lot better than him with the bat, but he was still, I think, third top run scorer for South Africa. It's just a case of that South Africa were playing a very, very good England side um, mm-hmm. who are shaping up very nicely for the for the T20 World Cup in, in the winter. So, yeah, we thought we were going to have some more cricket from South Africa for England, but um, that is not the case. Um, Unfortunately not. England's ODI series with South Africa has been cancelled um, after the first two games were called off. You know, I did after the second game was called off yesterday. It was inevitable that the game would have been the series would have been cancelled. Um, but yeah, this is sort of the first time that that cricket, international cricket, has come into problems during this sort of pandemic when they've tried to put games on and, and haven't been able to. So, you know, does this raise questions about the legitimacy of the bubble system or, or do you think it's just a one-off and, and that they should continue trying to get as much cricket as possible? Um, I, d- I think it raises questions about um, how, like, cricket's pandemic calendar is going to pan out for the next year. I think it raises questions about is bubble life sustainable? Like, realistically, how long is this all going to go on for where they can't go home during even like a series in England, like they can't go home in between games. Um, so yeah, it does raise questions. There's going to be big talks over the next few weeks about the overseas tours to Sri Lanka's first and then India is next. Um, India are pretty pretty adamant that that tour will be going ahead. Um, they've came out and said that, that um, they don't see any issues why it can't. Um, hopefully England do go to India because India are coming over to England as well so it'll be there's a bit of unity in like global cricket that um you did something for us i'll do something for you um that sort of thing so yeah i think the india tour will probably go ahead because i don't really see india letting england say no india at the moment the powerhouse of global cricket so uh yeah sri lanka um i think yeah i think it will go ahead they'll just be there'll just have to be some like quite rigorous discussions going on about if the bubble life is good for the players because ultimately that's what it comes down to so Obviously, this tour has been a bit plagued by positive tests um, that have sort of gone under the radar a little bit. Um, so for anyone that didn't know, South Africa have had three players self-isolating since the second T20, and they had one player self-isolating from before this, the first T20. Um, so yeah, they've had a pretty positive test. I think they've had one every like round of tests they've done, like a proper round of tests, not just like interim ones. And then obviously two hotel staff members tested positive that had actually served both teams. And that was where the issue was that meant the first ODI was postponed. And then obviously emergency testing came in and two England players have had unconfirmed positive tests. And those positive tests are currently being ratified in the UK as we speak. Um, They're expecting the test tomorrow, results tomorrow, sorry, for those. It's basically because... The way the test works is something like you need quite a lot of it to on the test to become positive. So the team doctors basically like weren't a hundred percent like set on the fact that they were positive. They were pretty sure they're false positives because they don't none of them have got symptoms, so there wouldn't be that much viral load on them, they said. But that's 
my A-level biology and I literally don't have a clue anymore about any of that. <laughs> so that is for doctors to talk about. But yeah, so hopefully they are negative and that all of the team can travel back together because if they are confirmed positive, then that does throw a bit of a logistical nightmare into the pack. But yeah, um, I think the tours will go ahead next year. Um, I think biosecure bubbles are good. Like the ECB showed exactly how they should be done. Um, they did a brilliant job now looking like in hindsight we we knew they did a great job but like to actually not have any cases in there at all was fantastic um there's a bit of talk going on around um south africa's breaching or like if their security was as good as england's england would have had to go and put they would have had a lot of conversations with cricket south africa and cricket south africa would have had to put every single contingency plan into action um, for England to agree to a tour. They only agreed to the tour the day that they flew out and had to pay an extortionate amount for a charter flight over to South Africa because they got the decision so, so late. They paid so much money for it. So they'd have definitely, South Africa would have definitely shown that the bubble would have been secure and I don't doubt that for a second. I think it's also important to note that when Pakistan and West Indies came over here in bubbles, COVID rates were actually in their lowest in the UK that they'd been all all these like 10 months, nine months. Um, and at the moment in South Africa, they're actually seeing like a major another like second spike. Um, so I think that's a good, a big thing to think about as well. Like there was obviously less people around with the virus in, in England than there was in South Africa. Also, you can get it from absolutely anywhere. Like, so I don't think there was much breaching going on in the South Africa, if any. Um, don't know if that's just me being benefit of the doubt and being nice, but yeah, no, you can get it from anywhere. So, but I don't think, which I think we'll talk about later with like obviously Tom Curran and um, Tom Banton. I don't know. I don't think it's an issue with the bubble life as in like a COVID sense. I think there's more of an issue with bubble life as in like a player sense. Like there's only so much you can do it, only so long you can do it for. And I'm not sure if it's a viable option um, going forward for a really long time. I think you've probably got to give it probably until summer. And then I think you might need to be thinking of maybe something else. But yeah, cricket's pandemic calendar is definitely up in arms at the moment, shall we say. But yeah, definitely the right decision to come home. Their safety, their welfare and their well-being definitely comes first. And the ECB statement, you you got that. That's the impression you got from it, that regardless of any test results or anything like that, any cricket broadcast rights, that no, our players come first. And Cricket South Africa understood that as well, which is great. Yeah, it is really good, especially nowadays with you know the importance put on mental health and mental well-being. So I can imagine that, you know, going over to this amazing country of South Africa or, uh, you know, flying out to Dubai and only being able to sit in a hotel room, be transported to the cricket ground, go to the nets, play the games. Yeah. It, it's going to have a huge effect on the on the players and it's going to it's going to affect them in, in ways which are more important than cricket at the end of the day because although cricket, you know, it's their jobs at the end of the day, but, you know, their mental health does come first. And like you said, it's very, very obvious from the ECB statement that, that was the case and that's that's brilliant to see because cricket does need to put mental health first before before the before the games which has been the case in South Africa which is absolutely brilliant um and as Emily did allude to um with Tom Curran and Tom Banton they have both decided to withdraw from the big bash in Australia due to the Situations they've both obviously been in England squad for the the T Twenty and ODIs. Tom Curran playing all three T Twenties, whereas Tom Banton was a reserve, which first of all is very questionable. We actually did speak about Tom Banton on the first episode, and we were sort of 
saying that, you know, he just needs a bit of a rest. He's been in these bubbles. He's only a few, I think he, how old is he? 22? Yeah, same age as me. So yeah, yeah. 22. So Tom Banton is only 22. Um, you know, he's been thrust into international cricket and he's been in bubbles all summer and then he's gone out to South Africa to just be a reserve. Um, and they've decided that it's just too much for them, um, that their mental well-being become, becomes first. And at the end of the day, that's the right decision, in my opinion. Although it's a disappointing because that's sort of where Banton made his name uh, last last year in the Big Bash with the Brisbane Heat. And um, Tom Curran as well, that's really where he sort of proved himself on the international stage. It is a huge shame that they won't be able to play in that competition. But at the end of the day, mental health does come first. It's brilliant that they've decided to stand up, that they've put their health first, put their mental health first, um, which is something that players need to do. Obviously, we have seen in the past how mental health has definitely impacted players and they haven't really admitted it in the past, like such as with Jonathan Trott in the Ashes and um, I think Kevin Peterson as well with the, the whole text message fiasco as well. I think that had more of an impact on him that he cared to admit. So it's brilliant that, yeah, that players are deciding to stand up now. Um, you know, everything's cricket isn't everything in life um, as much as we'd like to think so. Um, so it's brilliant that they've decided to put, put their families first, put their health first and get a well-earned rest. Obviously, Tom Curran hasn't performed greatly in this T20 series, so it'd be good for him to go away and, and like I say, spend some time with his family and and Tom Banton as well. You know, he's, he's I think it was you that said we haven't had a, a talent like this for a long, long time. Um, so to make sure we nurture that talent well and this is a step in the right direction in my opinion so yeah despite saying this podcast wasn't going to speak about England we've now spoken about England for the last 35 minutes so it's about time we moved on and I think we should move on to a bit of test cricket um, obviously New Zealand are playing West Indies at the moment and the first test has finished and it's fair to say that New Zealand absolutely demolished the West Indies you know they won by an innings and 140 odd runs which is an emphatic victory considering the pitch as well I don't think I've seen a pitch greener in my short oh, cricket no, supporting career um, it was so mental you couldn't tell the difference in pitch and outfield it was so green I know I saw that and I thought they were having a song when I saw that photo on Twitter I literally thought it was a practical joke to begin with and I was like oh no 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 that's the pitch but one person who did not take it as a joke was Kane Williamson <laughs> one of my favourite cricketers um you know, I made the outlandish claim that he's the nicest man in cricket to be quickly shut down by um, the fact that Chris Wokes was far, far ahead, which I'd have to say, I mean, mm-hmm. quite similar looks, you know, they both have beards. Um, well. Thoughts, <laughs> thoughts, thoughts on Wokes' beard? Um, yeah, no, I'm here for it. Okay, that's brilliant. I didn't think I was, but like, I am. Um, well, that's the well, Chris, Wokes, <laughs> Chris Wokes segment of the, the podcast out of the way. But we do need to talk about Kane Williamson, the second nicest player in international cricket. Um, he's up second in the batting rankings. He's now just behind Steve Smith. Um, after his incredible test high score on that test against the West Indies of 215 or 412 on a very green pitch. Um, they were also asked about first. Um, and, you know, they they batted first. I think it's safe to say they, they put on a score of 500 plus and then West Indies could not come anywhere close to that. Um would you say that Kane Williamson is the best test batsman in the world at the moment? Um, in my eyes, I'd like to think so, yes, just because I'm a little bit biased because I'm not Steve Smith's biggest fan. Although I think the rankings are right. I think Steve Smith probably is still top. Um, no one has an answer to getting Steve Smith out, which is probably why he remains pretty high up on the list um, in everyone's minds, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, Kane is pushing him and 
Um, what I think what he's re- Kane Williams has really improved on is consistency. Like he always has the big performances, but he's actually doing them like every every series, which now he's doing a lot more of. Um, but yeah, so in my mind, best Test batsman from a little bit of a biased point of view. But no, the the rankings are right. Steve Smith is probably still the best, but Kane Williamson is very very close second. I'd have to completely agree, and I just need to read out these stats to the listeners because they are absolutely incredible. So since, you know, since 2013 winter, which is now, what, seven years, he averages 63.59. He scored over 5,000 runs, and he's got 1,900s. I mean, that is definitely a captain's performance. You know, obviously, we've seen what mm-hmm. it, what it's done to Joe Root. You know, his form has drastically dropped off since he did take up the captaincy. But with Ken Williamson, it's almost seems to have the opposite effect. He's almost seemed to improve his game with that authority, which is which is brilliant to see. And it is it is great when we are fortunate enough to have a few great test sides knocking about at the moment. Obviously, Australia and India, um, they're both incredible test sides, and they're obviously playing in that series uh, coming up. And then obviously we've got New Zealand as well, which which are a very competitive side. You know, they've got a great bowling attack. They've also got Kane Williamson, who's one of the best batsmen in the world. You know, the England mm-hmm. side as well, it's a young side. It's very exciting. So it's a great time for Test cricket at the moment. One side which isn't perhaps having the greatest time is the West Indies. Obviously, like I said, they they were completely blown away by that New Zealand bowling attack and just didn't have any answer. Um, even their captain sort of came out and was very dismayed with the batting lineup. sort of said they threw the towel in too early. In the first innings, I think both opening batsmen held out for seventy plus balls. But then once they, once they, once they went, the sort of the effort was sort of over, and no one really put on a show. The second innings was a bit better. John Campbell scored a hundred. Azuri Joseph scored eighty plus score. But it's not great when you're relying on one of your bowlers to come in and and do a job and see the game out in day three. You know, it's not exactly what you want. So, you know, what what would you say about West Indies? Where's it all going wrong for them? Yeah, obviously this hasn't been like their best best test match and it hasn't been so far their best series against New Zealand. Um, for the past twenty years probably, like West Indies have had some like weird stuff go on like behind the scenes. I think they're a massive they're a test nation whose fan expectations and actually on reality performances are probably like the widest, like have the widest disparity. Like they were obviously so good in like eighties and nineties, but like now they're just not the same. Uh, there's a like admin er- like things go on behind the scenes like mismanagement of players, firings, a board that doesn't really sometimes have the players or cricket's best interests at heart sometimes. So yeah, they're they're clearly a struggling nation, but like they're a nation that everybody wants, to, regardless of if like you're from there or not. Like everyone wants to see West Indies get back up to where they were because t- Test cricket needs a good West Indies. Like they're a really strong nation in like the World Test Championship. They're a strong nation in tours and deals and everything like that. So like Test cricket needs West Indies to thrive because it needs that team basically because without it, Test cricket is worse off without um, a, a thriving West Indies. So yeah, it'd be great to see them get back. And like, I wish they, they could when they came over to England, that was amazing. And they, they pushed England hard as well. Um, it wasn't easy for England over here. Um, so New Zealand have just got the upper hand on them clearly at the moment. But yeah, there's there's a few things that go on in the background of West Indies cricket that could need a lot of work. And I think if they get a board that 
is behind them totally, isn't trying to take away any of their funding. There was the big thing at the 2016 World Cup, they wouldn't even have kit to play in at one point, and then they went and won it and then proved everybody wrong. So, yeah, they just need to tidy a few things up, get get their team sorted, because I think there's a lot of myth, like a lot of in and out in their team going on. I don't think they actually know their best team. Um, you mentioned before, Shy Hope, like, I know you were going to talk about it, but, like, one of the best batsmen they have now isn't even in the squad. So, like, what what's going on there? Um, yes, yeah, so I think it's just like a bit of a mismanagement with players, but hopefully they can get back to their best again because I would love to see them back at their best. Oh, I totally agree. And you did just allude to Shy Hope that I do want to talk about very briefly. Obviously, he is one of the best ODI batsmen in the world. There's no denying that. He is absolutely incredible with the white ball. But with the red ball, it just hasn't really seemed to click. Obviously, he came over to that. To, they toured the... Toured England in 2017, and he, I think it was, it was at Edgebuston, wasn't it, when he scored mm-hmm. those twins, that twin century, so a century in both, both innings, and he was the youngest player to do that in a long time, which it showed the potential that he has, but he's just drifted away, and obviously they came to to England this summer, and he was a shadow of the player that came three years ago. Um, yeah. He just, you know, he's really, really out of form, and it has actually led to him being dropped for this for this tour. Um, and he's, you know, with a player like Shy Hope, though, I think he was given his chance and I think it probably was the right decision to drop him. But he's such an amazing batsman that it's almost a shame to drop him because he can perform like he did in Edgebaston in 2017, though that was three years ago. And, you know, maybe he does need to just decide to focus on the white ball stuff. But their pace attack as well that I just want to talk about briefly mm. is absolutely incredible. You know, you've got Shannon Gabriel, Kemar Roach, Alzeri Joseph, I spoke about. They're just, you know, that's up there with some of the best best test bowling and lineups in in the world at the moment it's just the bat the batsman can't seem to do the job at the other end and although the the bowlers were absolutely dispatched to the other end against new zealand like you said they did give england a very good game and mm-hmm, they obviously won the first test as well so they sort of showed show what they can do and you know like you say they just need to to focus need a board that will back them 100% and, and yeah. special things can happen in the West Indies, you know. And it is a shame because I know that cricket is absolutely huge out in the West Indies. It's absolutely massive. Massive. Like, sort of to levels that we can't really comprehend. Um, hmm. So it is such a shame because obviously they had that World Cup victory in 2016, which was absolutely massive. And they haven't really seemed to kick off from there. Um, but, you know, there's still another test to come and hopefully, you know, they can turn things around. You know, they got in Jason Holder, they got one of the best all-rounders in the world um, as their captain. You know, like I've already mentioned that batting lineup. And on their day, they have got great batsmen. You know, Craig Brathwaite, John Campbell. These are these are brilliant players that on their day are, are incredible. So, you know, they just need everything to click. And I think this tour hasn't gone exactly to plan so far. But, you know, I think they were dismayed as well by the injury to Shane Dowrich. Um yeah. Who who did perform very well in England. Um and obviously when you when you're a player down when you're batting it always makes things a bit difficult. Especially when you're trying to, you know, claw back a huge first innings total by the New Zealanders. But yeah, hopefully their fortunes can turn around. But it's not to take anything away from New Zealand either. They they almost played the perfect test match in the fact that they, they batted first and they scored a put on a big score and then bowled out their opposition twice, which in my eyes is, is an incredible is the perfect test match for what for more the, do you need? For the batting first team. Um, and unfortunately, we're going to move away from Test Cricket now, uh, but we are going to stay in that area of the world with Australia. Um, I'm a bit surprised to say that Australia have actually lost the T20 series to India. I didn't see that happening, in all honesty. Um, 
but they've India have played two games. They've won both the games. They've chased down both times. So yeah, India have sort of gone over to Australia. Um, they were beaten in the ODI series, but they've clawed it back in the T Twenty series. Um, and I think this is very promising signs for for Indian cricket fans ahead of that World Cup because mm-hmm. you've literally put in the notes that you know they're doing well in Australia. What can they do in India? So what yeah. can they do in India, Emily? Well, if they can play like they've played in Australia, then I think in India, in their own home conditions, with their own fans, in their own crowds, their own stadiums, it's going to be a very, very big threat. Um, yeah, um, I didn't watch the first game, but I did watch a bit of the second game. Obviously, Harlik Panya played really well. Um, match-winning innings, great innings. He's a great player, brilliant all-rounder. Um, India's probably one of... He's one of their standout players. He'll be really crucial when they come to World Cup. But yeah, Australia, oh, ugh, meh about them. I just, I just don't like have much time for them. That is my problem. I think, like they just don't excite me. I'm sorry to say it, they don't. <laughs> Wait, is this it's on the podcast like, or not? <laughs> it's up to you. You can keep it if you want. I don't really mind. Everyone can know that I, I just don't like them. Like I just don't like watching them play. <laughs> so yeah, but yeah, the the point still stands that if India can, like, dominate Australia like they have done in Australia's conditions that are apparently so sacred and crucial that no one can ever beat them in, then, like, yeah, that bodes well for the T Twenty World Cup and England's chances of winning, doesn't it? No. Exactly, exactly. I, I don't think talk about, got that. But we have India got David Milan, that's the main question here. That is the question, and no, they don't. Exactly. Um, but I'm a bit, bit confused by this Australian lineup. I mean, they're sort of playing, you know, players which I wouldn't expect to in this at this time in a World Cup cycle. They don't seem to be putting out their strongest eleven. They seem to be sort of almost still experimenting. They're sort of doing in England mm. in that they don't know their strongest lineup. Yeah, they're playing totally, players yeah. like like Swepson, who's only played two T20s in his life, and now they're bringing mm. him in against the be- one of the best T20 teams in the world. They're playing players like Henriques, um, mm. who is players that I honestly can't say I've ever heard of before I looked at the scorecard for this for this game. So, you know, that doesn't indicate they're not good players. It just indicates that you wouldn't let... Cause no, no. We could, we could definitely give a very good go at naming Australia's strongest eleven, and those players yeah. would not be anywhere near it. No. Um, obviously, Matthew Wade came in to be captain after David Warner's injury, and he, he put on a 50. Uh, but I think Warner's injury is is huge, because, like you say, he's absolutely... As much as I hate to say it, he is one mm. of the best T20 openers in the world. So. Um, they are... <laughs> They are missing him greatly. Um, they decided to bat first and just couldn't really put a competitive total out that India sort of saw off with ease. But, you know, you've got this India team and like you said, they could be a huge threat. They've also got KL Rahul opening the, the batting with Rohit Sharma. Rohit Sharma is... I feel like he's, he's a very underrated player. I feel like because his name isn't Virat Kohli or Sachin Tendulkar, <laughs> then his achievements aren't yeah. aren't put up his lights. But, like, his, his record is absolutely incredible. Obviously, his... Won six IPLs, which I know isn't international, but that just indicates the mm. the player that we've got on our hands. Obviously, he scored two ODI double centuries, which is unheard of, and obviously is an incredible T Twenty opening batsman. So him alongside Carahul, who won the Orange Cap in the in the IPL this year, you know that opening pair can be absolutely destructive to any team that's hoping to contain the Indian. T20 lineup, and they got in in Jadeja. They've probably got the best T20 all rounder at the moment. 
mm-hmm. my opinion. They've obviously got Batman Virat Kohli, who <laughs> is a very good cricketer. Very good He's cricketer, a very it's fair good to say. Um, and they've got players such as Sampson, who, who has come back into the team and, and, you know, he proved in the IPL what he can do. So I feel like, I feel like India, yeah, they're probably favourites for this tournament. I mean, they were before this Australian tour, but yeah. now <laughs> they have cemented that position. And although, you know, England have sort of, they've got a chance, you know, India on their day, you know, they can, they can, they're no match for anyone, in my opinion. They can bring in any, like, they have a lot of fringe players as well. They do sort of have a similar situation to England that they can bring in different players. There's a few young players that they can bring in, um, which is what the IPL does. It shows them who's thriving at the moment and who's not. Because um, the IPL is essentially, like, a world-class tournament. The quality of cricket is amazing. So if the youngsters can do it on that stage, then they will be well-equipped to doing it for the national team. Uh, but, yeah, I like what you said about Australia. Australia, that they seem to be in a very English position at the moment, which is something they pride themselves on never being in. That they're a year less than a year out from a tournament, a world tournament, and they don't know their best eleven is a very English thing to be doing. Um, I don't doubt that they will know it in a few months' time. I think they'll 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 realise that uh, their experienced players are the ones to go with. It's no harm in throwing youngsters in. Like England probably would do the same. Um, they had Banton on the, on the sidelines that ultimately they didn't play him, but like they thought about it. <laughs> so, but yeah, very English for Australia to be not knowing their best eleven, um, less than twelve months out of a tournament. But yeah, India for the win. They played amazingly and yeah, took it to Australia definitely. Yeah, they deserve the victory in both games as well, which cannot always be the case, uh, especially with the the recent England tour as well. I feel like South Africa were very hard done by in those first two T mm. Twenties, um, but yeah, India hundred percent the better side in both games, and obviously got the third T Twenty to come soon as well. So that'll be a great watch. Um, whether India can make it three out three, or whether Australia will come back now that the pressure's off and and absolutely perform is yet to be seen, but I look forward to, to tuning into that and, and watching, hopefully, another great game of international cricket. And, and yeah, um, unless you've got anything else you want to talk about, I think that that'll be enough for this week. No, all good. Another great show done. I know. Uh, we've had a few bit more technical issues than we had the first two weeks, so let, let the yeah. listeners behind the scenes. Um, Emily couldn't hear me at one point, which, you know, depending on who you are, might be a good thing for you. Um, <laughs> But obviously, uh, that makes it a bit difficult to record a podcast when you can't hear what your co-host is saying. Uh, But we got through, and if you're listening to it now, I've probably gone through the absolute effort of editing, which is going to be great fun. Um, Enjoy. I look forward to listening to this back on Audacity um, in about 14 hours' time, just before the deadline. Uh, But thank you very much for listening, guys. Um, I've... I have received some really nice comments from from people that have been listening, which has been really great. Yeah, thank it, you to everyone yeah. that said nice things because um, we did this off a whim and we were like, we'll see how it goes. Like I had a cricket show last year on Burn, um, but new co-host obviously seems to be going down really well in yeah. you, Seth. So, but yeah, thank you everyone for everybody who said a nice thing about it. Yes, and it and it has been really nice. I've always wanted to to talk about cricket, and now you can hear me talk about cricket too, which is Yay! which is brilliant. Um, so yeah, that's all from us this week, um, and we'll see you next week when we're going to be talking all things cricket again. Bye, guys. Bye.